Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women. We're going to jack into these beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading Neuromancer by William Gibson, and starting with a beer. Gentlemen, I know we've said this before. Uh, I know I've said it before. I felt it in my, in my loins, but I won this episode. Not just because this is the only beer we're having. But because this beer is called Neuromancer, and it is by Finback Brewing, it's a 12.5% alcohol, barrel-aged imperial stout with coffee and blueberry. This is the only episode we've ever done with one beer. I mean, we've individually done some remote ones with like one each, but one beer only, I think it's just this one. We might dip into some other things we we might have available. We'll be drinking on the side, but... Oh, if we feel like we have a nice connection, we could we could bring that in. So yes, yeah, is an imperial sneaky sneaky stinky stout <laughs> snacky. Holy shit, snacky stout brewed with Ethiopia. Oh, I'm gonna fuck up. Day Bensa. I'm Can sorry. You read? Are you okay? It's D A Y E. I don't know how to pronounce that. I, it says Day in my head. I'm sorry, Ethiopia, not Eritrea, but Ethiopia. Eritrea has didn't they like break off from Ethiopia? Yeah, it's own country. I'm sure they're happy that I fucked it up. Uh, they're not listening. <laughs> Do you know we've been like the num- we've had like some really odd. We were places number one in in Gambia or something. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we, we've been number one podcast book podcast in places countries in Africa. Yeah, I want to say probably in English. It just said number one in books. Didn't say the language. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So this is with Ethiopian Day Bensa. Sorry. What coffee. does that mean? I have no. Oh, I think coffee. It's it, okay. it like a brand uh, or or product uh, region or something with most from Mostra. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Moster. And blueberry, aged in maple barrels. So what do you guys think? It's very good. I don't get any blueberry at all. None. How old is this? Yeah. Couple, six months? Ten months? Hmm. <laughs> six months, ten months. <laughs> oh, sorry, what's, what's a quarantine to you? I don't know. Uh, it's been a while. A year at most. Stra. <laughs> Moster. Coffee. It's good. Yeah. Couldn't say I taste blueberry, but... I also don't know, really taste much good. coffee, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I agree with that, too. I dig it. It's delicious. But I, I had a bottle of this one. It was just released. And it kind of had the same thing. Like, I didn't really get those things. They're kind of... Maybe they're in there very subtly. And, and that's, a, that's a question for, I guess, uh, each of us to answer for our own palate. Would you prefer a beer where you could taste each individual ingredient distinctly... Or would you prefer them to blend into some sort of other thing? I never think about it that much. No. Like, I never think about, it like, I can taste indi- individual things. It's just like, is this good? Is it nice? Why is it good? Cool. But it's not like, ah, I'm getting notes of this and this and this. Unless it's, like, usually, like, one thing that leaps out to me. But I, I never have... It's something you have to practice. And I've, I've never done that. And I don't want to. Because I'm inherently lazy. So one of our uh, one of our patrons, sweet uh, cool dude named Travis, though that's not what you'd call him on the uh, patron episode. He uh, <laughs> he and I have gone back and forth Can't on how wait. to how to work on this skill or like my drunken idiot tips, and and um, we t- I talked to him about this documentary called Psalm about the dudes taking the sommelier yeah. master tiniest penis test. And they talk in the documentary, like, to really keep your, like, senses sharp for that kind of shit. You need to just constantly be going around and just smelling and tasting and reminding yourself of what different things taste like. Like, oh, that is, well, yeah, persimmon, right? Yeah, yeah, that is persimmon. So that way you have that kind Isn't of, like... in Kiss? Uh, yeah, persimmon is, <laughs> that's, that is the, uh, the cover band of Kiss. <laughs> Citrus. Uh... The all citrus themed cover band of Kiss with <laughs> persimmon, and I'll think of the other guys later. Um, Vitamin Ace freely. <laughs> God damn it! All right, let me think of this for a second. We'll make it sound like it was faster. Uh, what the fuck are their other names? Peter something. Peter Chris. Peter Sunkissed. <laughs> and uh, now I got another for Paul. They, they Stanley. rotated a few. Oh, Paul Stanley, right? Doesn't hey. matter, Paul. Sorry. Sorry, um, Star Child. Anyway, um, Starford Child. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you. 
I don't know what we're talking about anymore. Back you gotta, to you gotta smell things. To yeah, get yeah, good yeah. at it. And just it's to have hard. It, just to have it like at your fingertips or you're like, like a fucking know. farmer's market and sniff all the stuff and put your fingers on it and they're like, hey, don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> and I don't have $75 to blow on a blueberry to fucking smell it. Hey, I'm a sommelier. It's cool. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Pull out your sommelier badge. Like, I gotta confiscate this. Oh, you, you this. have it on your lapel. If you ever go to a fancy restaurant, you'll see there's always one douchebag who has a little sommelier pin on. If you're working there, not if you're going to the restaurant for. You know, that'd be awesome if you just show up and sit with it. And like, what, what wine would you recommend for this? I'm like, uh, well, Mr. Waiter. I, I don't, I, uh, uh, the house white's nice. Is it? Is it really? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, anyway, back to this book. To start this book. Neuromancer. Unbelievably famous sci-fi book. One of the most, like, revered, decorated Nerds jizzing the their pants out of a girl's books. to win the Nebula, the Philip K. Dick Award, and the Hugo Award. This is Philip and Dick. And it was Gibson's debut novel. Good for him, dude. He's This great. is like a, one of the founding novels of the cyberpunk genre. This is, this is cyberpunk. And as I read it, all I could think about was I regret not making the joke when we did Altered Carbon. <laughs> To refer to Neuromancer as unaltered carbon because it's the <laughs> same fucking thing. It is so similar. Cyberpunk has a lot of overlap. Except Altered Carbon has a plot you could actually follow. Sure, but yeah. complicated. But, but that plot but you could follow it. That plot is very similar to this plot. When you un- Altered Carbon added the extra thing about the stacks and like keeping your person's like memories and But they even have uploaded consciousness in this book. It did, but. Alter Carbon added that extra little piece to it. It was the first word, first time it coined the term cyberspace, I believe. I think it was one of his earlier... It's this, Even though his he author. called it The Matrix most of the time. It's like, oh, we're going to go into The Matrix. Yeah. Learn Kung Fu. <laughs> okay, so, so the let's plot try to is... explain it. <laughs> so the, sort of the setting is like Alter Carbon, and it is, it is what, what the, the... It's almost like the stereotype of cyberpunk this is this book which is can I, it is blade runner the movie yes. is the st- that is the setting yeah the that's one, what cyberpunk is the one uh quote from the wikipedia page is that he saw the beginning part of uh Bla- the movie blade runner and it was like oh shit people are going to think i copied on this novel that i'm in the middle of writing but he apparently had actually written most of it or a bit of it before the movie actually came out I bet this book became more popular simply because of Blade Runner. People were like, oh, that was an interesting thing. And here's a book that's a lot like Blade Runner. That's merely my guess. It doesn't... I don't, I don't know the that history anywhere. well enough to know who may have ripped off who. Because this, this but... came out more or less a year or two after Sorry. Blade Runner. Blade Runner was 81, wasn't it? Okay, maybe it was five years after Blade Runner. But the book, <laughs> all, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, came out in the 60s. Yeah, but the but the move the book of Blade Runner and this have not much in common. The film Blade Runner, yes, that visual Definitely. aesthetic is exactly what this book has. Because cyberpunk is a more kind of dystopian future than other sci-fi had been, or at least a more aggressively like gritty. Or it's like, definitely dystopian okay. and uh, very okay. gritty. Mm, okay, this is not actually that important. I'm going to argue with the phrase dystopian. Because dystopia it's just, it's is a, a utopia for somebody, whereas and, and this, this is maybe it's a utopia for corporations, yeah, or the ultra wealthy, yeah. or the ultra wealthy. Whereas I feel like this is mostly just so dark and shitty for everybody, but maybe not corporations. Well, they have, they have that right. like rich place maybe where all the rich people right. spend money and get fake tans and suck each other's dicks and all that. Or stuff. they live in the the fucking space Valhalla, yeah, or they just live there for centuries. Because they're rich, they don't have to do anything. They replace their organs and stuff, and mm-hmm. they become, un, you know, consciousness stuff like that. And they clone themselves because they live forever. It's basically on, rich people, space exactly rastas. Like, yeah, exactly like altered carbon. Okay, so exactly, the, it is very, very much the same. Okay, so the plot of this is almost impossible to follow. I mean, there is a plot which we're going to try to go through allegedly. There is a plot, allegedly, exactly. No, you need there... an AI to understand it. <laughs> Nate, try your best. 
Oh, me and Jimmy will be God. remotely good. I wrote, we'll give you I, eight I, wrote, I wrote stuff down, but so I couldn't tell you what happened. His name is Case, and he is... Justin he, Case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is still very young, but he is a computer hacker. Meanwhile, this is hacker in the terms of 1980s, so it means uh, w- w- hacker thinking in the 1980s, what it would be like in the future. So he has to, like plug his brain into the matrix the internet which they wasn't called the internet at the time what was referred to as the internet in the book was simply referred to as cyberspace or the matrix um but he was he was a hacker for hire but who but he had been and this is simply literally like page one he had been he had stolen from his own employers who then poisoned his brain through the matrix somehow i was and looking so at you and i thought you were it. gonna say dick i really <laughs> thought you were gonna say poisonous dick i don't know why it might have gone in through it the looked dick. like you were gonna say that and i thought that was really out of character for you <laughs> and i'm so disappointed in myself <laughs> that you didn't say dick. it what, what does that even mean it doesn't make any sense <laughs> they how do you do that they they they, they, they injected a, it through his urethra permanent floppy Floppy disk. It's a floppy disk. <laughs> Five and a quarter inch floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> Damn future poisons. Uh, those were new inventions at the time <laughs> when this came out. So he is, a, this is the future. They basically gave him like brain poison. Yeah. Some they, sort of like they burnt poison his thing. nerve system. So he can't actually be a hacker anymore, yet he kind of is. And now he calls himself a cowboy a bunch of times. He's a, like, hacker cowboy. Or like a kid rock kind of cowboy. <laughs> On a steel horse he rides. <laughs> That's not kid rock. That's uh, Bon Jovi. I'm sorry. Bon Jovi. I, 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 I was trying to class this shit up. I'm sorry. <laughs> let, me get, let, me get, let me get a little rapping white trash midget in here, and then we'll make it a little more kid rock for you, you degenerates. <laughs> and to paint his town red and paint his wife white. There Joe Vitamin C. Joe <laughs> That's a weird. That's a weird '90s mashup that should have happened. Remember vitamin C? Yeah, vitamin C plus Joe C. <laughs> Nate has no idea. What's Actually, happening. I have a little bit. I vitamin C did the mean, graduation yeah, song. Yes, the graduation song. Because you're yeah. thinking of nutrients, you elderly fuck. <laughs> Joe C was Kid Rock's uh, hype like boy, like mini mini me sized guy. He died back in the '90s. Oh yeah, long time. Yeah, only God knows why. Yeah. <laughs> That's a rock song, Nate. Uh, but he was he was <laughs> okay. like a three foot tall little guy Case who sounded like a child and be like, "Come on, it's Kid Rock!" <laughs> and then people were like, "Oh yeah, it's a fucking midget." And that's what happened. The nineties was that was the last time you could do that. We lived through that. <laughs> so Case is a console cowboy. That's what he calls himself. And so he's a hacker, but he can't really be a hacker anymore. But somehow he's living in Japan. But he's but it's not. But it's Chiba City, not Tokyo, because... It's named after Sonny Chiba from those, like, shitty 70s grindhouse samurai movies. I believe it. I'll, I'll take your word it, for it's, it. It's a very 80s thing. Yeah. yeah. The future is Japan. Yeah. So he's, like, in debt to a, like, drug dealer or some kind of thing, but then he gets saved by Molly, who is a, also a hacker, Former prostitute, now hacker, and has all well, has a. We don't know that yet. You, we don't. You know, you don't, don't find out that out. Don't find judge that out till later. She's a working girl. She's not a prostitute. She just rented out her body, and her consciousness was sublimated while they used her body for money, and she was unconscious. I was totally wrong. I was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I must apologize. I had that exactly incorrect. She, she did it so she could make a lot of money, so she could implant herself with uh, cybernetic ba- glasses. Yeah, they place her Wolverine eyes, claws, Wolverine claws, and her fingertips like long nails, like she just got to the salon, and fucking mirror eyes. And I'm sure there's a thinly veiled metaphor, or someone's attempted a thinly veiled metaphor of like, you know, it's so you can see yourself inside her. Because in these genres, it's all about uh, hot ladies that bang the nerd. A huge yes, uh, a huge part. Oh, yeah. A huge part of the last part of the book is seen through Molly's eyes as she infiltrates three Jane's mansion. Anyway, we'll get there. When, when I read that, I was I swore to God, like, oh, I got a typo in this book. Mm-hmm. And then it happened like a thousand more times, like, oh, no, her name is three Jane. Okay. Yeah. 
three Jane, we'll get to her in a million years because there's so much fucking book. Let's go back to Molly. The Razor Girl. She's the mm-hmm. hot lady in the book because this is, of course, cyberpunk, which means it's super horny because no. it's written by and for nerds. This guy had a wife and child. He wasn't a virgin, but he knew how to write to his audience. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have and a there hot are chick. Space boobies. And they have to start banging right away for no reason that made any sense to me. In her, like, zippered leather. Dungarees. It's like it's like it's like a weird set of. I remember weird eighties. I remember describing her pants. Flash dance with leather. It was definitely leather and zipper came up in her pants, and I think he said denim. Like I don't know what leather denim means. I don't know. It's future. They have that future. Yeah, it's like it's a new it's a new fiber that's been created. It's it's a cow that the skin is denim, so it grows. (laughs) It's like a very blue kind of a corduroyish cow. It's got the stitching in it. But then snaps. She bangs them. And then there's also a, at least one passage about her nipples. There's uh, several passages about her nipples. Oh, there's one that comes with Riviera, who comes in way later. And we're also reading that, like, who the, the psycho uh, implants guy. He can make guy. you hallucinate. And it's like, the nipples are all wrong. I know those nipples. And those, and those ghost nipples are too big. That's not her. So, so I don't like girls with dinner plates. Nice job, Riviera. <laughs> I like I like communion wafers. <laughs> anyway, we're still in like chapter we one. We haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> we're like chapter one. Okay, so <laughs> a ex-military officer named Armitage is trying to hire Case, even though Case can't to like hack something, even though Case can't hack anything because he's been he fucking literally poisoned can't by the hack thing. It. Can't do it. But somehow Armitage, <laughs> which this first problem with the book first? of many problems. And so Case is like trying to like hack this thing and yet either does it or doesn't do it but somehow gets his pancreas replaced so that he's no longer addicted to oh, meth. Case has been doing all sorts of drugs. He's, he's been, addicted to uppers. Uh, he's been doing everything he can. So Sucking even though I'm pretty sure it's not the pancreas that... Uh, they're future uppers. <laughs> the pancreas doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do... It's the liver. It's always the fucking liver. Anyway... He gets a, I think That's he gets a new one of those too. I think he gets a new gets, bunch of things. Well, he he, he gets, gets he gets a bunch of those too, but it's the pancreas. They that decide he gets to hire first. him because he's like really good. Uh, but he's got he's his a hacker. He's got he his type brain really fast. He's got his brain fuck. Well, in this like hacking is like going into VR and like it's digital digital larping. And yeah. <laughs> he has to steal a ROM with three, three megabytes, megabytes of, of data, <laughs> three <laughs> megabytes, which contains the entire state saved consciousness of a di- of like uploaded consciousness of a different hacker named Dixie Flatline. Three megabytes. That's less. Yeah. That's less memory than a MP3 of My Humps by Fergie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember downloading MP3s on Napster, and if it was. Three megabytes or fewer, like even then, that's like that's not a complete thing. It's, that's it's shitty. That's something's wrong about that. I need I need five five or nothing. <laughs> How else am I going to burn this CD in two hours? <laughs> so they hire him because he's was good back in the day, and they're like, "We'll fix your brain temporarily," or they don't know temporarily. So they fix your brain, and so they put him in surgery, and they fix his nerves or whatever, so he can do it. And they're like, "You can fix it now, and you can do shit," but. Your body's full of little poison sacks, and if you don't get the job up. done in this amount of time, or you fuck me, the poison sacks blow up, and then you can't do stuff again. They're not going to kill him. That'd be too much work, so they just decide to yeah. make him useless again. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, why not just kill him? Or just fill him with actual poison. I guess, I, I guess the point is that that was a bigger, more harmful threat to him. Yeah, Because he, he had he, given up on life. He was trying to die, basically. But in like a cool way. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to hang out with Japanese hookers and do blow. Linda Lee, who is a person in the book, and I couldn't tell you who she is. That's his ex-girlfriend who's been murdered already. Kind of. of. She was murdered on like page three. Because some things happen and sometimes they change characters or change times. or change, And sometimes it's not real because of the magic guy and you don't know what's happening. As you put it in a text to us, Jimmy, the book is, quote, nigh impossible to follow. Which I thought I was, was pretty spot on. I, wrote, I read about half of it, and then I had like another week before we had to do this, so I said, I'll finish it at some point. And the last day is like, fuck, I have to read the rest of this book. But I got back into it, and I was like, I, I don't remember a lot of this. I had to like read a summary to find out what had happened. And then I finished it, and I still am skeptical at best. 
We'll get to the overview if we could ever get through the plot. <laughs> Nate, we'll, so, let's let Nate talk, I guess. Oh, God. Okay. Eventually, Molly is able to break into a building to steal the ROM. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't do, say that without laughing. Um, Every to, ROM I've ever had has been like playing an old uh, Super Nintendo game on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, and they're about three megabytes. <laughs> a Super Nintendo game, a, a big Super Nintendo game. Maybe even a Nintendo 64 game. Is about game. three megabytes. <laughs> yep. So uh, they find out that they're able to steal this thing and get some of the information they need. And they find out that the person who hired them, named Armitage, is actually a ex-military guy named Corto, who had tried to break into Russia and because the Cold War is still going on, obviously, in this far future kind of thing. But he tried to break in through this aircraft thing, but because there was an EMP, which was kept secret from him by the American military, that everybody else died except for him, and now he's ex-military, and there's a lot about Helsinki. Helsinki, which they never go to, but is a very important location in this book. Not sure why. (laughs) They just said it many times. The border with Russia and Finland is like, you know, it's it's not like East Germany, West Germany. It's Russia, Finland. That's where the big border is between, you know, East and West. Uh, so anyway, he's, he's, he somehow gets to Helsinki, but he, he, he's left the military. And then at some point he finds out all this stuff and something about EMP weapons. And then I'm really... His military... I'm, it, I'm lost and I'm trying to... It doesn't matter his, at all. His, his military doesn't. team got betrayed and he's like the only survivor of some fuck up. And so now he's working for some criminals and they have to do a heist. But he won't tell Case what the heist is for. He's just saying, you got to do this shit. And so eventually they steal this uh, digital consciousness of a guy who had died as a hacker just to have a fun side character because he does a lot of the hacking work. But he's just like an AI at this point. But not even an AI. He's just like, he's like a facsimile. Uploaded consciousness. Yeah. And then they uh, steal it and... Molly hurts her leg somehow, and I forget why, because it doesn't matter. That's way And there's a character... Oh, no, she hurts her leg in the beginning also. And there's a character named Lupus Yonder Boy. (laughs) (laughs) And he tells Case about something called Wintermute. And they're like, what's a Wintermute? It's like it's a guy who can't talk when it's cold. Storm. Yeah. (laughs) But they're like, that'll come back later. And so Case and Molly are like working together and also fucking because uh, it's a book for people who want to do that. (laughs) <laughs> and um, so they don't trust Armitage, 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 whatever the fuck his name was. And um, his, they're like, we, we'll do what he's got to do. We'll do what he says, but we're going to find out who he's working for. And then we'll we're still do two we'll jobs. Do it, still do it anyway, but also we'll try and not betray him, but just find out what's going on because he won't tell them. So a lot of the book yeah. is finding out who's working for who. And, and we're honor-bound thieves. Yeah. We don't want to work for him without knowing. And say, hey, what's the guy's like, Pauly? Is that the uploaded guy? Uh, Dix. Dix? Dixie, Dixie Flatline is the fake flatlined. name. Yeah. Flatline. Yeah, they call it a Flatline because apparently if you're like hacking and if you do it wrong, you can die. Like the, the, uh, and the Norton antivirus <laughs> software will kill you and melt your brain. You can pull a John McAfee and yeah. just fucking die right away. Uh, by the time this comes out, that but was first you got to kill a timely. bunch of people in Guatemala or something. And, <laughs> and yeah, they learn all about nonsense that doesn't doesn't matter. And then they go to Istanbul to find another guy, but I don't know why they have to do that. And in, in passing, they mention there's a horse pandemic and all the horses are dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one sentence like yeah there used to be horses it's like oh okay that applies not at all to anything is this when they find out this is when they find out Cordo's story in Istanbul right uh no that's later on in Istanbul they meet Riviera oh yeah the, and then the, they, the brain wizard the brain wizard who has like implants or something he can make you he can make you like see things that aren't there like uh like nine in Stranger Things yeah and he can you know, like in the, on the plane home was he eleven? Ma- no, no, eleven you didn't can see move season things. Two, Dick Nine is another girl who can make you uh, oh, okay. see things. But season two, which was which was not good. So don't you didn't it was miss pretty anything. good. That episode was trash. It had a one, Skip that, that one weird episode. Garbage, um, garbage episode. But uh, on the plane home, it makes it look like uh, he makes it 
he, he's always just fucking people because he's an asshole. He's a sociopath. And he's he, a, he, he is a... He makes it look like someone comes in their drinks. Yeah, there's like a <laughs> giant sperm floating around. He's like, don't fuck up my booze. And he, All right, sorry. And that's you his whole character. You don't just want to call people, in your class. Like it's, his whole character is making people see things. But in the end, he plays no real part in the final heist or any of the other parts. That as much as I could see. It's just, here's a cool thing I thought of. Yeah, but it, I mean... It, a thing that could happen in the future, because like, yeah. I'm trying to write the most edgy sci-fi thing I can come up with. Oh, he's definitely edging. Oh, yeah. And he was edging right into their glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he'd come up with. That's why it was only one sperm in there. But it was like a, it was like a tadpole of cum. Yeah. Which <laughs> is an upsetting like A single concept. whale sperm. Oh, God. Just one? Just one. Just one. <laughs> Sometimes one's all you need when it's that big. <laughs> So then, of course, uh, they leave Istanbul and end up going to hang out with a bunch of space Rastas. I love them. Wait, but first... Malcolm. They need to... So, okay. But then they realize that the overall plot is going to be that they have to, like... There's, like, an AI, which is technically illegal, but there's, like, two halves of the AI. AI. AIs are legal, but... Allowing them to be, co- they're basically on lockdown. Yeah, and allowing them allowed to, to learn. Allowing them to be fully yes, conscious. They can't. Fully not allowed to learn more. Everything is not going to be allowed. Which he might have a point there, but we'll get back to that later. <laughs> um, so, and half of the AI is called Wintermute, but yet there's a second half of the AI which is called Neuromancer. No, do I have that correct? He's anyway, called. We Rio don't know. For a lot we of don't it. know that yet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, I might be skipping around, but I'm just saying like <laughs> it ends fine. up he, it ends up like the the final heist has to be they have to steal from the Tessier Ashpool family. They have to somehow like get into the mainframe that has the other half of the AI, but they have to open it at the exact same moment that they do this other thing or else the Turing Agents will come and kill them, which is also a thing that happens. Yeah, robo- robot cops. Super fucking nerdy shit. Another thing. Let me just put in some more computer shit here. There's the Turing police. They make sure you're really gay. <laughs> <laughs> you like computers. And then they kill you. <laughs> no, the Turing police show up at one point, and this is when... Uh, uh, Chase is on a giant bender. Case. 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 I chase. Uh, my kid watches Paw Patrol. Case. <laughs> and uh, Case is fucking strung out on all sorts of shit. And they're like, you're coming with us. And it's another example. He's doing a lot of drugs for someone on the mission that will save his life and career. He's he's trying to break in that new pancreas. Yeah. He's like, got to work the it new, out. The new drugs they gave him uh, filter out drugs so he can't get high anymore. So he just finds super drugs. Because William Gibson was into getting high, I guess. Yeah. But they find him, and there is a... Uh, and, and this is another example of people who have been, you know, artificially altered to appear young. And I like the... Uh, at one point in the scene, it's like, you could tell at their knuckles. <laughs> yeah, it was the knuckles that the surgeons just couldn't quite get right. Can't get the, the knuckles, knuckles right. And the guy, like, everyone else, they look like they're young, but they have the knuckles of a granny. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you're coming with us? Like, I feel like that's a pretty fair trade. That's, that's, I mean, if, there are if worse things. Everything about me looked young except for my knuckles. I would be fine with that. Yeah. That's, no one notices old. that. What's wrong with, you could just wear fingerless gloves in the future. <laughs> yeah. If you work as a panhandling veteran hobo on your little dolly card. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I mean, it was a, what it reminded me of was um, Barney from How He Met Your Mother. Like, that's the kind of thing, like, you could always tell their age and their knuckles. Yeah. I'm not that old. My knuckles are wrinkly now. If you have geriatric They're supposed nostrils, to be wrinkly. If they're not wrinkly, There's... they would rip every time you close your fucking fingers. But if, like, if, if they have, you know, put 60 years on top of it, but everything else stays the same, that would be upsetting looking. Just varicose veins in your knuckles? They just look like scrotums. Each finger <laughs> has a scrotum on it. Real loose. Just like a bag. And it, it kind of, like, fluffs and inflates. Okay, so they <laughs> have to... They had, they're like working with Wintermute, which is half of the AI, which is a copy of the AI, and they have to merge it with the other half of the AI that is housed in the mainframe owned by the Tessier Ashpool family, of which they are mostly like 
people who are asleep most of the time, except for the cloned daughter named Lady Three Jane. It's like Walt Disney. He's just frozen himself so that he can exist over his empire for hundreds of years and wake up and make sure that, you know, it's still going okay. They have to break Every into... time they need to lobby for the copyright law to be extended. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to break into the villa, Villa Straylight, into it's, the... This is not on oh my Planet Rostov, right? This is a different place. So no, no, many, they go to Planet so Rostov first. Wintermute sends them to meet the Rostas who are his... You know, he, he pays them too. So the space Rostas bring them to the, uh, like... Space Vegas, where rich people live, yeah, right, right, or like right. Space Monaco, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty accurate. And that's where the Rastas let them out, and there's this, they talk in that fucking like dialect, written very, very badly. Everything I remon. <laughs> You're like, oh, come on, dude. His dreads floated around. He was listening to dub all the time. Like, was he? Jaw. <laughs> yeah, they were talking constantly talking about Jaw and Babylon. Shabba ranks, <laughs> he shouted out at the start of every song. <laughs> Shabba. It, it was just, it was an odd choice for these uh, space Rasta tugboat operators or just tug ship operators, which sounds, I think that was your mom's job, wasn't it? It was, yes. And he was like, I tell you one ting, man. Dem coolie gals. <laughs> and like, oh, what, what is happening here? And his name is Malcolm. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, it's Malcolm, but they. It is Malcolm. He, but they spell their fucking name phonetically, like uh, I guess a Jamaican guy would say it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing that the Jamaican accent hasn't changed after hundreds of years in space. But whatever. Well, the Cold War's still going on. You know, also didn't change. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He saw the future, but just he figured the Cold War would never go past it. So then the space rosters. See, I thought this come. was close to the end. No, no there's still there's so, much. so much. Dude, that's just like a quarter of the way through. So much more. Malcolm oh, brings them to Space Monaco, and there's a bunch of adventures there. And they're. Molly- they find the dead guy. The guy tries to kill them. They shoot him in the eyes. That, that's that's where like- the touring cops were, wasn't it? No, there's like, there's like one of the, the, the lords of Richland, and they find, and he wants to kill himself. And. And, and and Molly shoots him in the eye with like a dart made of shellfish. No, no, that's 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 the that's the the head of Tessier, but that's at the very end. Uh, that was not the very end. There was like two hours more of fucking uh, audio. That's, that's in that's in the final heist where Molly gets kidnapped and she wakes up in the jail of the mansion and ends up with the Tessier guy and he wakes her up and she shoots him and then she goes and then the whole heist where he's like. Cases jacking in and out huh, <laughs> of the Matrix and looking through Molly's eyes to find and, the ice. and talking about the Rastas, about Exodus, movement of Ja people. And <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a lot of jamming. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like all, it was a constantly shifting uh, perspectives, but it was just him. And he's like, I'm going to be under for a while because time moves differently in the Matrix. So he's like in there for a few minutes, but in real time, he's in there for eight hours. So it was like, my dick's going to have to pee. And the guy's like, I've got a catheter. So he shoves a catheter in his dick hole. Uh, and that is a thing. And they just, they call it a Texas catheter, but I don't know why. It just seems like a regular catheter. Everything's bigger, bigger in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the, the diameter. The size. <laughs> Gets all the pee. And, you know, he's skipping between him, talking to the space roster, a guy who, who just watches this guy pee for eight hours since they're smoking fucking joints. <laughs> and then also hanging out in cyberspace with, uh, Dixie and the Chinese uh, hacker program, which is just a big, ever expanding s- shape of colors that's just can, growing. Can I say how funny it was to read this in 2021 and they keep referring to the China virus? That was fucking <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> and it was growing and spreading. The, the China virus can't be stopped. Like, God damn it. <laughs> the Oracle of our time, William Gibson. So they manage to like break in, or they they go and then break into, or Molly breaks into the 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 estate of Lady Three Jane. But but every but you are seeing, Case is seeing the entire thing through Molly's eyes because of her ocular implants or whatever. The yeah, fuck. her mirror eyes, mirror glasses. That she, she's they're wearing. they're like they're not glasses. They're her eyes have been replaced yeah. by oh. mirrors. I like the part where someone says, how do you cry? Says, I don't. I spit. Yeah. And, and then Case was like, damn it. <laughs> like, 
First of all, they rerouted her tear ducts. Spit? But Swallow? Yeah. No? Okay. Come on, Nate. <laughs> Come on. This is a grown-up podcast. They rerouted her tear ducts, but your tear ducts are supposed to keep your eyes wet. Why not why just did, close them? Yeah, why do you need them at that point? They serve no purpose. It's, you to don't make need her, to... it's to make her edgier and cool. She is very cool. She wears leather denim pants, Jimmy. Denim leather. Lenum. Denim leather, which I think is, uh, I think that's in Serbia. Uh, (laughs) And she she has pert titties with the right size nipples. And pointy fingers for scratching. Yeah. And she's, she's very strong. (laughs) So the, the three heists are like happening simultaneously. Well, there's one heist, but it's happening in three perspectives, but all from one perspective. And I'm not sure still why. It was kind of inception-y. And also Armitage has been killed off screen because his plane crashed. Armitage ha- was basically just a husk that the AI put a fake personality into and uh, made him just his slave because he needed a person in the field, I guess. I don't know. Or just like a cutout, as they say in the biz of criminals. Um, Do they say that? A cutout? A cutout is someone that you hire to hire someone else so no one can trace it back to you. Oh, okay. It's like a level of separation. Um, and so they didn't have encryption yet at this point. No, they, <laughs> Where the AI could just well, password the, one two three was still a good password. Well, they had time. they had encryption, but it was just ice. They called it ice in this book because ice baby. <laughs> yes, and too cold, too cold. They fucking and ice. Come on, it's his only there for that. And go ninja, go ninja, go. Though they say samurai in this a lot, not ninja. No. He's really into fucking ninja stars too. He's like every fucking, you know, hyper nerd. He's got a Japan fetish. They mention shurikens constantly, and they never use one. Yeah, as, as a they just like they use it as a paperweight once to like leave a note saying, I, I'm leaving you. Because Molly leaves in, at some point, and that's how she ends up in the mansion. I wasn't sure if she got kidnapped and then busted out, or if she went on her own, because it's not really explained because it's poorly written. Um, you know, I don't think it's poorly written. I think it's stylistically written, but it's poorly written uh, in terms of being able to understand it. I would say that's poorly written. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, it's the as I lay dying question. Like, is it stylistic where you kind of like have to work at it? I will say that as I lay dying makes sense. Like stylistically, like he was going for something. This just felt like he was, he didn't care enough to make it make sense. Now, I think what he was going for was the detective noir kind of vibe, but in an entirely artificial world that he had to create everything around it. And because of that, it made it hard to follow. There is a quote from the, this is literally in the introdu- background section of the Wikipedia page, which I read first. And you know what? I think it actually says a lot about what is going on in the movie. So Book. this was in... Uh, William Gibson was intrigued by the movie Escape from New York by John John Carpenter. Oh, and he is Duke of New York in number one. Gibson was intrigued by the exchange in one of the opening scenes where Warden says to Snake, quote, you flew the Gulfire over Leningrad, didn't you? It turns out to be, this is, this is Gibson's quote, it turns out to be just a throwaway line, but for a moment it worked like the best of science fiction where a casual reference can imply a lot. He's I right. think William Gibson, he's right, but William Gibson tried to do that in every fucking line or paragraph. <laughs> yeah. He tried to, tried to imply an enormous amount, but he does it so often and with so many things that you can't even follow what's going on anymore because he makes up all of these weird words or weird references or weird things that you can kind of guess at, but he does it so long, so many times that you you don't even know what's happening. It's like going to a 400-level philosophy course after having taken 101. For two days. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I know what philosophy is. Like, I, I heard of Socrates. And then you go in this like, what the fuck is anyone talking about? So uh, I was going to say this earlier, but I, I think this quote is important, and I we can review it again later, I suppose, but someone said about Neuromancer, it said, it is, quote, a book that traveled back in time of its own accord, a book written for people in the future in their own goddamn language. 
because and tried so, to guess at the language. But so much of what he wrote became standard. But it, absolutely, if you're starting here, you have no idea what's happening. But if you're a fan of this genre, you know all of this shit because it is the genre. It is. Yeah. He fucking made it. He did. It, which he is incredible. Did. I mean, I, I, it is. I've it read is. the book his, twice now and I don't like it, but it's incredible. His imagination that he put into this is remarkable. Yeah, Definitely. That's what I like about sci fi, even if the book isn't good. I mean, I thought it was fine. I, I like the ideas in it are awesome. The execution of them is not, but that's what I liked about That's most sci fi, dude. I mean, I've read a lot of dumb sci fi, but I've read a lot of like sci fi I really, really enjoyed. And there are, there's only there's one or two others that was like, this is stupid, but the ideas in there are like, this is really cool. But it, it, it is a hazard of the genre. Sometimes it's best, like, they, they never put the story part first. Have you ever read anything else by William Gibson? I have. I read The Difference Engine. Well, this is the first of a series. Yeah, I'm not reading the rest of it. This is his first actual book. He first read, novel, and then it's a part of a he trilogy. Had, he had written some short stories before this. Mm. I'm, not reading, I'm not reading the rest. You can sprawl over, all over these nuts. I don't care. <laughs> but I did read The Difference Engine, which is... It just a subtraction? A collaboration <laughs> he wrote, which basically invented steampunk. Like a Steampunk, wow. This guy was just king of the nerds. Oh, yeah. For sure, it's um, all this just with uh, top hats and monocles. It's it and more uh, gauges and like leather padding. Uh, but I I read that space train. Uh, it's, it's more uh, a lot of lot of uh, Hindenburg thing. You know, what the fuck are those it's called? Zeppelins. Zeppelins. Thank you. Yeah. Dirigibles. That's the word I thought of. Nate didn't help. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but. That book also sucked ass. <laughs> it fucking blew. It was terrible. I read it. I wanted to like it so bad. I wanted to like this. And I've heard, I've had friends that are like really into sci-fi. Like, oh yeah, Neuromancer. Like, so I, I talked to our, 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 our uh, nerd friend, Mark, who sometimes listens to the podcast. Because um, sometimes he's working. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so they, it, it, He said he liked the book a lot. And I, I text him, like, yeah, but it really shows its age. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's tons of Z-Rust in it, but it's pretty good. Z-Rust. Oh, I, I like that term. I had to look it up, and I like that term. That's like, I think Douglas Adams made that up, uh, of things that are meant to sound futuristic, but end up not sounding futuristic when you actually look at it after the fact. But just sound dated. Yeah. Did we talk about that Neil Gaiman quote on this? No, but like this book, everything is still cassette tapes, so there yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Neil Gaiman, I think he said, like, Nothing ages faster than the future. That's pretty fair, mm. man. I think it was Neil Gaiman. I believe he would say that. He's a he's a wise, strange man. Yeah, I love him. He's right. Like you can't write about the something like, taking place in the future without it being hokey. Twenty years later, like even Fucking the Matrix. Three now, years later. Yeah. Well, maybe three. Maybe three years now. Three years in 1984 probably would have been still okay. It's accelerated because technology. Improvements, technological improvements have accelerated because of AIs. Maybe oh, back to the book. Well, that's why we got, got an injection of five G. Fucking book. Oh yeah, we got those five G. My, my well, my cell phone service has been great since I got the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm so eventually they break into the place and they reunite the super consciousness, Wintermute, and Neuromancer, and then it's like they kind of win and. Lady Three Jane is like, okay, here's the password, whatever. Uh, and then in, there's an epilogue, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Nope. nope. Molly leaves. He says that he never saw her again. And was like, okay. Um, and but the whole point of it was that like you can't set this AI free because they will take over and destroy us. And he's like, but I want to do computers again. I'm a council cowboy. Yeehaw. <laughs> And that is, I mean, yeah, I mean, we skipped a lot because a lot of it didn't matter and a lot of it didn't make any fucking sense. And this is a classic. This is another, you know, capital G great book, not a great book. I feel like this is a kind of, of the genre. The kind of thing you need to, if you're going to love this book, 
you need to find it at the right time in your nerd life. And you find it and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going to read it a bunch of times. And I'm going to really think about this world and put it all together and spend a lot of time there put figuring it out. And I don't fucking have time for that. So that's not for me. This is one of those books that, like, if it had been longer and explained stuff more, it would have made a big difference. I think if it had an internal logic and that explained it in, in a better way, where it sets up a certain, like, technological thing, and then the main character has to overcome that technological thing, uh, and, then, and then that's overcome. And then there's the second part to the plot, which is a different technological thing, which it's really... The problem with it is the way it... It's not that it doesn't have a plot, because it certainly does, but it's not explained or it doesn't tell you what you need to know in the beginning and then give you all the steps along the way and have them make sense or at least explained along the way about why they're important and why that was necessary in a way that is obvious and clear to figure out to the reader. It's really just kind of like, what weird shit can happen? It had the feel of a book where anything can happen, where there's no... where Not that there isn't logic, but... There's almost no point in trying to guess like what's going to come next because there's no way yeah. the next thing could happen. Now, uh, we talked about... Uh, so, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Douglas is... Adams. Douglas Adams was writing satire of this kind of thing. Not this exact kind of thing because cyber, cyberpunk hadn't been invented when uh, Douglas Adams was writing Hitchhiker's, but... Doug Sibes was writing in, in, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It seems like kind of anything could happen. But that was on purpose because it was satire of the sci-fi novel where mm. just a weird stuff happens all the time. Whereas this is really like, even though this is later, it was still the same way. Yeah, It was so many difficult things that were not explained. And then why are we doing this next thing? I don't know. Why did that thing happen along the way to overcome the final obstacle that I don't know either? And just so many different things that just don't make sense. It felt like a book length version of, and every book where they say, okay, here's the plan. And then he explained the plan. They were like, great plan. And then they do it so you can read through it. But the whole book was that. Just in the interest of creating an argument, I will say, what if what he was going for was the detective story where you as the reader don't know what's happening? There's nothing to detect. But like, not, about, not even about being a detective, detective but like, that's story, the genre the where this happens. The detective story is where you know there has been a crime and you have to solve the crime. This, you don't know what the crime but they, is. Or they've been hired to do a secret job. They don't know what the job is. It's not that different. When is, I don't remember any detective stories where they're like, you have to do a job, I'm not going to tell you why, and also none of the parts of it will make sense. Okay, I, I can't think of any. I am sure he didn't invent that concept. This no, is a, sure. But this is a futuristic world where he's also creating the world at the same time. Yeah. So a thing happens, and you have no idea no why that thing happened. or Yeah, you have no idea of the context at all. So it goes right past you without knowing what it's about. It's a big problem in sci-fi is the need for world building. And sometimes you can pull it off, sometimes you don't. Like when we read recently, I read and you read a while ago and we're going to read here, uh, the, the broken earth thing. The first, I read the first book. It is impenetrable for maybe like a third of it. For, for, and for then a finally couple chapters, you yeah. figure it out what's going on and it builds on itself. And by the end, you're like, I get how this world works. I understand what's going on. And that is an example of doing it right. Like, you can make it hard to understand, and you can... It didn't hold you by the hand at any point. You just kind of got it. Well, because it, through small it, things. It didn't hold you by the hand, per se, but it, it parsed out things in a, in a digestible manner. Yeah, this was just like someone projectile vomiting at you for eight hours. Futuristic terms and ideas and even though those can be cool it just didn't fit together yeah it wasn't even also it wasn't even the terms and ideas like that was okay it was sometimes you just don't know why something was happening or who was doing it also there's there's a lot of layers there where people who are fucking high all the time 
people who are deceived by the AI guy. Yeah, people some things who are actually lying. happening. There's all sorts. It, it, you don't even know. You don't have all the information to put it together. It makes it a puzzle. It's a puzzle to read. I'm not saying it's a good book. I didn't like it, but I, but people do, and I'm people trying to understand it. why. I'm trying to get why they do. The ideas in it were very inventive, and it creates a whole genre which can, I'm sure, can be good. And in fact, I would say Altered Carbon, which is very much just like this, but with a plot that is easier to follow, it's pretty good. You know, I, I thought that was fine, but this is, this is impossible to follow. It was difficult. It was impossible to follow. If it was written today and it was written a little better, it would still hold up as like being pretty inventive. I, I mean, some of the internet stuff could be changed a little bit, but seeing, you know, cyberspace is like be a three, physical... Act- it would be three terabytes <laughs> rather yeah. than three megabytes. Or three like... Picobytes or something yeah. ridiculous. Like, Z- zettabytes. A terabyte is... Petabytes. Terabyte is nothing. Yeah. In, in terms of like... A human consciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have that many terabytes. You know, I have a lot of gigabytes of fucking stolen shit on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> Just horses. <laughs> Just horses. Just for horsing around. It was, it was good in terms of creativity and good for the genre, absolutely. In terms of, did I enjoy reading this? Absolutely not. I didn't like it. I thought there were some cool ideas, but I didn't like any of the plot. The plot was okay. The characters were stereotypes of like horny teenage boy stuff, like really cool hacker guy. Girl with boobies, um, <laughs> rich guy. That's my favorite character. <laughs> and yeah, and it's they're still like you know they're they're just they're shallow. There's a lot more interesting ideas than execution of those ideas. I'm going to drop my attempt to argue because I also don't like this book. I don't. I think it is another one where if you are a fan of the genre, you will know about this book, and then yeah, people absolutely. at a certain point you will be forced by guilt or or something to read it. And almost certainly, like, you'll close the last page and go, huh. And then you're like, well, that was, that was something. Like, People I can't still imagine love you it. read it and you... I, I, I just can't imagine the person who reads this. It was a chore. It was, it was exhausting. It was a... Ch- and I read it once... I listened to the audiobook because I didn't feel like rereading it. I didn't count on audio on Goodreads. And then I, in the middle of it, I was like, I fucking no idea what's happening. Partly didn't help. I don't know if you noticed, Nate, the guy who read the book, he was a mad herb. <laughs> I read it, Michael. I don't know what you're talking about. Nate, you sent me the audiobook. The guy who read the audiobook sounded like a guy who read, who loves the book. He was like, then she came out and she was really. Very attractive, and, she and had, it was cool. She had boobies. Her <laughs> boobies were pointy in the nipple area, which is, I'm told, very arousing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it was. <laughs> like, we're nerds. Oh yeah, but this was like this is impenetrable in terms of. It was it was almost fan fiction level horniness. Maybe maybe. I mean, the, the horniness aside, maybe Neuromancer is like a nerd shibboleth. You know, it's like the sort of thing where only super nerds can <laughs> <Nerboleth>. get Nerboleth. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, <laughs> shibboleth. I like shibboleth. Sounds, like sounds like a growth you have to get cut off. It's like you've got a nerboleth on your thigh. It's like, oh, fuck. I used a condom. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like this, it could be the sort of thing that's just so nerdy and so difficult. Kind of like Lord of the Rings. Where only the super dedicated can get all the shit out of it. Okay, but Lord of the Rings is way more understandable well, than well, this Well, because that's mostly breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this was like Lord of the Rings in a way. It was, but it's like if this was Lord of the Rings, it'd be like if Lord of the Rings and you read it, but you had to read the Silmarillion to understand Lord of the Rings first. Oh God! Because this is like a trilogy, and it's you get you get nothing beforehand. It's just like here you go, good luck. Fuck Orcs are a thing. Fuck you. That's all you get. And I, I'm not saying it's not like that, but who would want to live in that world? Oh, <laughs> uh, a world a world with booby ladies who's wearing denim leather? I heard when it's cold, their nipples get very pert. 
Like I love sci-fi, but sometimes it's just like, oh, guys, come on. Again, we, we can do better than this. I, Dude, just I, go I also jack agree. it before you write. <laughs> uh, after reading, like, I also really like science fiction. After reading uh, Foundation, it's like, why do I like science fiction? Oh, my <laughs> God. And this was the same thing. This was the, like, holy shit. Like, I like, even when I'm reading a science fiction book, I find it very interesting about the futuristic sci-fi ideas that, like, go into it and the sort of implications that go along, which is go along with the sci-fi idea about what what go into the futuristic technology or understanding or futuristic science. I find that really interesting, but I need a fucking plot I can follow. I'm sorry. That is all. I need a character that I can care about that has a goal or a motivation. What is the term for it? Uh, that is conflict. That makes Quest. sense. That has, you know... I think goal and motivation are the terms yeah, Okay. For it. <laughs> Whatever. Penis. It. <laughs> Boobies. They always have One a of the two. One of the two. It's fine. Uh, left and right? <laughs> a left and right penis? <laughs> I need... It's the future. I did read... I read one book called, like, 2355 or 2533 inches and it was a book in like the far future uh it had a lot of cool ideas stupid story but in that story everybody has a penis and a vagina and it's in the same places so they can like lock them both in together when they're fucking (laughs) so they can fuck each other at the same time what does that position look like it's like a weird uh, it's tantric, so D- zero tantric scissoring. Yeah. It was not a very good book, but it had some cool stuff. But that's that the problem not? with sci-fi. Sometimes it's got better ideas than execution of those ideas. It's like a bunch of like post-it notes where we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. This book definitely had a lot of cool ideas. But I think in an effort to make them super cool and to have it be very edgy and very, you know, uh, Interesting throughout, he made it almost impenetrable, which is unfortunate because most of the people who want to read this book would just love to penetrate something once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. uh, There, there is a distinct uh, horniness problem in the genre that, like, for you, the character quest stuff. For me, it's just like, can we just do a book where, where it's clear that. You, it's not just about having a lady with boobies. It's sometimes it's just it's just so unf- it, it'll ruin a book sometimes. Like the 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 height of nerdery. Well, when I can't keep, when I can't read the book because I have to keep stopping the jacket, that's a problem. <laughs> that's I, well, we so, are, we got the Fifty Shades of Grey. Too much boobies. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, I thought this was. The booby passages were like whatever. I just kind of kept skimming. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even just like the like actual sex scenes. There weren't that many, but it was just like the she had to be, you know, atrociously hot, and she had to. She started banging him within five pages for for no reason. Absolutely no reason. There was like, wait, did I miss? Did I fucking miss a page? He just woke up and she banged him. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm gonna touch your dick now. I was like, cool. Watch out with those razor fingers. Yeah, be careful. He wasn't circumcised at first, but then he was. <laughs> I think the book, like many other books we have read that I can't remember right now because I'm drunk, of that's an important book. It's important in a historical sense in like the genre, but there's no reason to read it now. No. If you're a big sci-fi person, yeah, read it. I'm sure you'll will at some point. Is it worth reading? I don't know. If you don't like sci-fi, absolutely not. If you do, if you got a spare month, you can peck away at it. I would have felt perfectly comfortable never having read this. I felt like I I had to at some point. I've got it. Yeah. You know, I've seen Blade Runner. I've read Altered Carbon. I didn't like Blade Runner either. The movie's movie's not great. It's not. Yeah. It's it's definitely overhyped. And, And... do androids dream of electric sheep is also just trash. Well, it's because Philip K. Dick is king of good ideas and he's crazy. done better yeah. by other people. Who And he's insane. It's so. hard to type when your hands are in a straight jacket. Yeah. Well, that's maybe that's how he had his good ideas. <laughs> that guy was batshit. He crazy. was actually, he had severe, severe problems. <laughs> Unlike William Gibson, who was just, uh, just horny. William Gibson like computer guy. He's a guy who fucking like dropped out of high school, became a hippie. 
smoked pot across America and Europe and Canada and just kind of like hung it. And he's old enough that he was came up before a draft board in Vietnam. And they're like, one of the questions they asked him, I guess, is essentially like, what do you want to do with your life or something? And he said, I just want to try all of the mind-altering drugs I can. And then they didn't draft him. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then 20... Well, I thought and, they did all those in the army in Vietnam. And so. then 18 years later, he wrote this book. <laughs> I guess he found all the drugs. He just hung Maybe out. Maybe he was in Ultra. Didn't do, didn't like, didn't have a real job. Just kind of had like a, you know, it's kind of strung together in existence. Super, you know, intelligent person, but like failed to function in society. I wouldn't be shocked if he was transported to today that he'd be labeled as like autistic or something, like just based on what I've read about his biography, that he's incapable of socializing or struggles to, doesn't follow directions, just wants to do his own thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he has like, you know, some something on the spectrum. Some Asperger's kind of thing. And then he shits out this book. And then nerds just fucking their pants overfloweth with cum. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just writes more and more of these. Remember that fucking shitty Keanu Reeves movie, Johnny Mnemonic? Yeah. He wrote that book. Oh God. With the with the telepathic dolphin. And like the laser garrot thumb tips. Yeah. Jones. Terrible film. It was a uh, hot garbage. That that was one where they, they had the uh, he was a data smuggler by like plugging USBs into his brain because he had a place and it was like several hundred megabytes of storage or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly movies. So should anyone read this book? No. No. Okay, on three. One, two, three. No. no. <laughs> it's unless no. you are like a sci-fi completionist. That's the only reason. This is on the thousand one books you should read before you oh die list. God, every so time we, you say that, it's a book we didn't like, <laughs> and that's, that's the, why he brings it up. <laughs> that's the point. Like, why do critics say we should read this? And I think we identified maybe, why. Th- maybe the thousand one books you should read are books no one likes, but you should read them because they said so. Because if they were books you shouldn't read, you would like them. Like books you like versus books you have to read because your teacher told you to. It's double reverse psychology. Yes. Front psychology? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, have has there are there any books on that, that you've read that have been good? Plenty, yes. Okay, but I think I think what they're going for there on that kind of list is important books, historical. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, but important does not mean fun to read. And as Nate was saying before, the thing about sci-fi is it's fun to follow the story because what. Like that's hopefully oh, true oh, of most. Oh, books. I, I, I have no data to support this, but I'm going to make it up. I'm going to pretend this is true because I think it is. People who buy books, I imagine they largely buy sci-fi, fantasy kind of books. The people who are regular readers, who are I still bet, buying, books. I bet that's what they're Genre reading. Genre fiction. I bet that's what they're As reading. As opposed to the dedicated literary fiction readers. Hmm. Okay, so yes, so people are like, I'm really into this genre, and why are they into detective novels, or why are they into sci-fi, why are they into fantasy? Because it has a fucking story. You open up the book, and you're like, where am I going? And at the end of the book, you go, I got there. And then you move on with your fucking life. This book, while it has been influential in the genre of science fiction, incredibly so. Unbelievably influential. It's one of the top most important books. This is like the book of Exodus for sci-fi people. It's up there with Foundation. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. I don't know which one I'd rather read out of those two. But the... the, (laughs) It said better boobies. At least it had boobies. (laughs) Like, this is not that. You don't read this and go, oh, a fun yarn. You get to the end and you go, hi. Like, it's the end of a fucking episode of Home Improvement. leather yarn? It was leather yarn. (laughs) We go, Yeah, you get and what the fuck was that? And then William Gibson goes, I don't know, your tits, and he walks away. (laughs) And then she's like, All right, thanks. I'll read the two sequels. That'll help. And they're, I bet they're not even sequels. I bet they just take place in the same world. I have no idea. I bet they're not even direct sequels. I don't really want to find out or care. No, I don't care. I wanted to like it so bad. I don't. It's hard when you come across like you know a classic. And you feel like you're supposed to like it. And you feel like if you don't, that you've done something wrong. 
Well, I have touched a booby, so that's well, that's my fault. Not, there's your problem. Looks not for you. <laughs> uh, uh, damn it! Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long and you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub and give us uh, real monies in exchange for supporting us in, uh, and get all sorts of cool stuff. And you can also give us a review wherever you're listening. Just give us five stars or five check marks or five waffles or five out of five units of measurement because that's the most you can give us and it's good for my self-esteem. And you can be our friend on Goodreads where we read goods. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.